Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend and a guest today. John, how are you? Hey, Jim. I'm doing great. It's good to see you and uh, great to have a guest with us today. Right on. Why don't you introduce our guest and we can start picking his brain. Yeah, our guest today is Craig Owens. Craig, welcome to Leading from Alignment. Thrilled to be here, guys. Yeah, Craig pastors a, a church uh, called Calvary Assembly of God, uh, and he has other things he's up to as well. He he co-hosts a leadership podcast called The Craig and Greg Show, um, and he is a consultant to other leaders in other organizations. Uh, he uh, he writes a blog that is well-visited and uh, I don't know if I'm uh, uh, if I should say this or not, and if I shouldn't, we'll just start all over again. Uh, <laughs> uh, Craig, you have a book that's either on its way out or it has already been uh, published. Yep, it is out. Yeah, what's the name of that book, Craig? It's called Shepherd Leadership. Awesome. And so we're going to enjoy your your book. And I, I read it and I, I I think I may have something behind this because I, I felt like, forgive me, but if you've read a book on leadership, you probably read every book on leadership uh, or most books on leadership. And I felt like you had a real fresh take on that. But before we get to the book, let's, let's get to you. Introduce yourself, yep. a little bit about your story. Uh, how'd you meet Jesus? What are you doing here? How'd you, how'd you, where'd you start and how'd you get to where you are? Sure. Well, I grew up uh, in the Assemblies of God. You know, you've heard those cliches about people cutting their teeth on the back of the pews. That yeah. would have been me. Um, you know, I my grandparents helped. Uh, they were among the very first families at Brightmoor Tabernacle when they were oh, in my. downtown Detroit. And, and for those my, who don't know Brightmoor, it's, that's the Starship Enterprise of the Michigan uh, Network of the Assemblies of God. It's just turned out some fabulous yes. leaders and churches. And yeah, that's great. Well, and and that was huge for me. I mean, what a blessing to grow up uh, with the pastors that we had there. Yeah. Um, Bond Bowman was the first pastor that I remembered. Um, yeah. and I think he only pastored for like 43 years or something like that. So yeah. <laughs> um, that was just a little bit. And then um, I, the man that would go on to become the general superintendent for the Assemblies of God, Tom Trask, was uh, my next pastor after that. So. Yeah. So that's where I kind of grew up, and um, but I remember uh, when I was probably 16 years old. You know, I had to make that decision: do I do I believe this because I believe it, or do I believe it just because my grandparents, my parents, and I've been here, and have I yeah. been indoctrinated, or is this really true? And yeah. um, it was a you know for me it was probably a four to six month kind of wrestling with that. Um, and uh, my parents gave me some grace and gave me some yeah. space. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, then as I just really had some time to look at it, um, I said, you know what, this is the real deal. And um, yeah. from, from that point forward, there was really uh, no no looking back. Right on. That's now, good parenting. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is good parenting. And, you know, Craig, it, it, uh, it reminds me that almost every one of our clients has a similar story. Uh, not all of them, but most of them have grown up in church and uh, said, I, I, you know, I gave my life to Jesus, I think, when I was four and a half years old. And then uh, somewhere along the way, you know, I had to own it. I had to decide 
I couldn't ride my parents' coattails anymore. I had to make a decision. And so when, as you shared that, it just, it just struck me that, that that's such a, uh, a typical story. It happens so often that, that we come to, we come to grips later in life with, uh, who Jesus is. And so that's such a great story. Uh, again, I mean, what a, what a blessing to, to, as, as Jim mentioned there, to have the parents that would, you know, not get all freaked out. Like, what do you mean you don't believe this? What do you mean you're questioning this? But just to give me some space. And, you know, and then that helped me even as a parent that when the Bible says that we train up our children in the way that they shall go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. We either believe that or we don't believe it. Um, And so if we say, Hey, you know, I've done what God laid on my heart to do for my children. And, and I can trust that God's going to bring that back to them. And I don't have to fret over that. Yeah. So Craig, tell us a little bit about your call to vocational ministry. How did, how did you discover that? Uh, what were, what were the, what were the steps or the progression of that in your own life? Well, it, it's, it's been an unusual journey because I remember um, when I was still attending Brightmore Tabernacle, getting a letter um, saying that my name had been put forward to serve on the board. Would I you know, let my name stand for election? And I remember going, oh, that's way too much spiritual responsibility. I can't do that. <laughs> um, I, I had no inkling at all that I would ever be in the pastorate. Uh, I pursued a business career and mm-hmm. um, was always involved in our church and involved in other ministries as well. Um, but never, you know, viewing that as my vocation. Um, and really the start was when our district superintendent, Bill Leach, came to me and said, um, our camps, uh, you know, we've got these two great campgrounds in Michigan. He says, we, we've always had pastors and retired pastors that have been the in the leadership role. And he says, and I just think that we're underperforming a little bit. And so I'd like to try somebody who has a business head, but a ministry heart. And, uh, you know, asked me to to pray about that. And we did. It was a, it was a huge decision because it would require selling a business that, that we were running wow. and, and moving to this. But because all my predecessors had been pastors, my very first day in the office as I'm putting stuff on the shelf. Somebody walks in and goes, hey, Pastor Craig. And I was mm-hmm. like, who are you talking to? You know, <laughs> and so um, but I really. My staff, I wanted to, I said, you know what, I'm going to take on kind of this pastoral role for my staff. I want to pastor my staff that's there. And that's, that's, I think, where God started the journey. And just, it was slow nudges towards, um, you know, where I am now as a full-time pastor. But uh, it was a, uh, it was fun. Now, when I look back on it during the time, it was a little challenging. Like I kept saying, are you sure? Are you sure that I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to do this? So, so it happened. It happened a little bit later in life. It sounds yes. like for yep. you. You know, I've, I've often thought. I wonder what you think about this, Jim or or Craig. Yeah. And thought it would be wonderful training for um, guys and, and girls who are uh, preparing for ministry to spend five years in the business world mm-hmm. uh, before they get into vocational a, a vocational role. Because uh, I spent twenty years in the corporate arena. And there are things that I learned in the corporate arena that I did not learn. Uh, my corporate yeah. life was uh, uh, followed my pastoral or vocational uh, ministry. And I, I was shocked at how much I didn't know about things I should have known as a lead pastor. What do you guys think about that? Am I crazy or is there something to that? 
And if you I'm know, crazy, I, I, just go ahead it, and tell me I'm crazy. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't sound biblical to me that that a, a carpenter would be, you know, in ministry or a tent maker. It just sounds like heresy. So actually, it's what's funny is you look at the people that had real jobs and then had ministry versus those who only had ministry. And and I, I don't want to be too broad brushed here, but right. certainly the Pharisees didn't know how to build a house or <laughs> or make a tent. Mm-hmm. All they knew was theology. And I think sometimes the problem with theology is it's not practical theology. It's it's theoryology. It's uh, it isn't the study of God in real life. It's it's more the study of God in a test tube or a, a yeah. Sunday school room. Or mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that knowing the world you're trying to reach has great value. And having lived in it, you know, in, in your case, in the business world, the military world, the business world, I that hasn't ever hurt me. I think that's always mm-hmm. helped us to speak a common language, even if our illustrations come from something else besides my my 14th year of Bible college. Sure. I, you know, how do you relate to people? Um, how do you speak the language if you haven't worked a factory job or built a house or gotten your hands dirty? So I, I think that's a great idea. Craig, well, what do you and, think? Well, and I've found that a lot of business leaders who are very successful in business will run into an area of frustration in their churches if they do just mm-hmm. what you said, Jim, is when yeah. th- their pastor appears to be saying things that are kind of pie in the sky. Okay, well, that's great yeah. on Sunday morning, but when I'm you know in the trenches on Monday and I got a board meeting on Tuesday and I'm dealing with an angry customer on Wednesday, I'm having a hard yeah. time making that connection. And I think that somebody yeah. who's been in the vocational world um, outside of the pastorate, they can say specific examples. You know, here's how you would deal with, you know, this nasty customer. Here's how you deal with a coworker yeah. who stabs you in the back. I, I think it makes you more relatable from the pulpit when you've had those experiences. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd rather have them in the business world too, before the ministry world, to learn how to deal with the angry person you're never going to have to see, versus mm-hmm. the angry deacon that you have to see every week. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I'd, I hate to say this way, but I'd rather practice on. Um, the the person who's upset their their McNuggets are not as hot as they want them to be than the person that's upset about the youth pastor or not preaching the proper you know having a tattoo you know I yes. to practice on the world in a business setting it might might not be a terrible idea as well yeah well speaking of leadership you have written a terrific book and, and I, I would you just kind of introduce us to why you did that um, maybe some basics about it and then we have some specific questions from the book that we want to ask you. Sure. Well, the book really came out of just a a lot of heart pain for other pastors that, um, you know, I I would see them uh, throwing in the towel Uh, when they resigned. It wasn't just resigning their church. A lot of times it was resigning even ministerial credentials and just saying, you know, I'm going to go do something else. And a, a lot of them were friends that you know I knew well, I was close to, and as I would, well, why? What what's going on here? What I saw was that this um, kind of a corporate mindset had sort of crept in to say that success in a church looks like this. And it sounded a lot to me like what a corporate CEO would measure as success. And that's really not the measure of success that we see in the Bible. And um, so I was really kind of going, uh, I like the idea of a shepherd leader because a, a shepherd doesn't give birth to more sheep. A shepherd just creates an environment where the sheep can be healthy and give birth. And so it's not really counting about, okay, how many sheep are there, but am I creating a healthy environment? And then it was my editor that actually came up with the subtitle of the book and said, uh, the subtitle is the metrics that really matter. So what what is it that we count 
that really is aligned more with what God says in the Bible that we should be focused on. So that's that's where the the impetus right. of the book came out was trying to help my pastor friends that were feeling unsuccessful because somebody yeah. was giving them a wrong measurement. We've run into that a lot, right? Haven't we, John? That this yeah. this has been is, is it is it Carl Peters that that does all the yes. there was another guest that had the same thing that we're if you measure your biceps against somebody else's biceps, that's the biceps aren't necessarily the measure of a man. There's more to a man than his biceps. There's more to a church than the numbers of people. And, and I, we agree wholeheartedly that that's one of the greatest um, faux, you know, fake discouragements mm -hmm. is I'm not succeeding because my church hasn't 10 X, you know, right. in the last 10 right. years. And it, yep. I'm not sure we're measuring the right things. Hmm. Yeah. And, and Craig, real quick, you know, we, you know, our, it's our, our, thought process around this is health um yeah. that that really we want churches to be as healthy as they possibly can be and um and and we we think we're not anti growth no obviously right. sure um but i as i was thinking about our talk our, our our session here today this thought crossed my mind is is that growing in and of itself isn't inherently wrong and as a matter of fact, it, it, most times it's really good. The real issue is why do I want my church to grow? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why? What's what's the motivation? Um, can you speak to that a little bit? I know that's not on our list, but I, I'd like to just toss that over to you. Sure. Well, you know, I, I think you've probably had this as well, Jim. You know, when somebody says to you, how are things going in Fenton? And you say, great. And then they say, how many are you running on Sunday morning? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and people want to equate it to some kind of a number. And I think that the reason why a lot of people do that is it's really easy to count. I mean, you can, okay, mm -hmm. somebody sat in the back and they counted how many people were sitting there or somebody yeah. counted the offering. What's harder to measure is the qualitative growth. You know, how do you put yes. a, a figure on somebody has gone from this level of immaturity in their Christian mm -hmm. walk to this level? How, you how do you how do you measure that? And so that's why I think it's really easy to slip back into going one, two, three, four, five, as opposed to saying, okay, well, I I know because I've hung around with this guy. I've been one on one with him. I've done. I've seen small groups. I've seen this growth. I know where he's going. Um, that's, that's yeah. the, the harder thing to measure. Yeah. And so therefore it's, you know, somebody's looking for a pat on the back. Well, how do I get a pat on the back for that? Right. It's funny too, because if you, if you value growth and you program growth, your culture is growth, your sermons are growth, your, and, and obviously that, which, that, which grows numerically doesn't necessarily, like we're saying, mean healthy growth. No. I've watched churches explode in numbers and then watch the families in them explode. Because yes. of their involvement in the church at times, and I, but I, if you think about it, I, John, to maybe put my own two cents in for for your question, the the books that we normally read, the seminars we normally attend, the uh, the the superstars with the with the big followings. I mean, they're they're not normally a church of a hundred people. But they don't the church of a hundred people don't necessarily get invited to be the presenters or have the the you know the the platform to to launch a book. And that's another reason why I, I think Craig's book is really useful is it's giving us the metrics of discipleship. But we talk about it here, Craig, we talk about the, the, the height of the pyramid and the base of the pyramid, that we have mm -hmm. ministry to a certain number being the top of the pyramid, but ministry four yes. uh, being the base. And, the, and the, the base determines the stable height. 
So if you have ministry for 100 people, you'll soon have 100 people. Whether you have 200 people today or 50 people today, it's irrelevant because there's ministry for 100 people. 100 people will find themselves at home in the family of God in that local congregation. But one thing I've never had anybody ask me is how many do you have ministry for? Mm. They always ask how many you have ministry to? How many people yes. showed up last Sunday? What's your average? And and I I am with you. We don't, I would even know how to begin to answer the question because we how do you quantify, you know, something that really yep. is 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 more qualified? Yep. Yep. Yeah, you know, Craig. So I, I think we could probably talk about metrics. Uh mm. And, and just take over the rest of this podcast. I mean, because yeah. uh, I, we'll just, I'll just say this, that we've had discussion on this podcast in previous sessions uh, about lag metrics and lead metrics mm-hmm. and um, that, you know, the lags are the things we usually count, right? Uh, the heads, the amount of money in the bank, the number of conversions uh, and things of that nature. But we have, very little control over the lags. And and we discuss lead measures. These are measures, lead metrics, that these are things that we actually do have a, a great deal of influence over. Yes. And so, um, you know, if I, I think if we have you back uh, on the podcast, I'd really love to unpack just that with you. It's a little bit out of the scope of what we want to talk about today. Um, but I'd love to have you back to talk about that. Um, so let's see here. I, we have we're getting close to time here, but I, oh, I'd like fast. to throw. Yeah, I know. I'd like to throw one more <laughs> out to you. Uh, in chapter four of your book, you introduce this amazing idea, this idea of a balancing act for leaders, specifically around the adjustments confident leaders need to make, and. Um, I wanted to ask you, Jim and I wanted to ask you a couple of questions around chapter four. Um, you, you said this, that our areas of strength can become areas of self-imposed weakness. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a powerful statement. Can you talk to that, Craig? Explain that for us. Sure. How does that happen? I think that because of our strengths that, that are God-given, God gives us strengths, we operate in our area of strength a lot of times without really consciously being aware of it, you know, and you'll, right. you'll get it. Somebody will say to you, well, how did you know how to do that? And and you say, I don't know. I just knew how to do it. And so you're operating in your area of strength, but it's often unconscious the way that you do it. And which means that I can go to it without asking God if I should be going to it because I just naturally go to it. And that's what mm-hmm. I mean by it becoming a self-imposed weakness to us. Um, you know, we think about like, look at Samson, um, you know, Samson would just go to his physical strength, but we don't see him asking God, should I do that? Should I do that? As opposed to David, David would be very specific. God, should I go up there? Yep. Go up there. Am I going to get be victorious when I do this? Yes, you're going to be victorious. And then God would even sometimes give him a specific strategy, walk around this way, come from behind. And so he just stayed reliant. When we have a God-given strength, I think our tendency is to just go to the strength. I don't need to ask yeah. God. I just know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I don't think I'm atypical in this, even though I've read the book and we've been friends for years. What do you what do you do 
uh, other than repent? Do you have anything else besides, hey, don't do that anymore? <laughs> what, what, what advice in your leadership coaching and your, you know, and your mentoring do you give to somebody that's, you know, that's saying yes to their strength over and over and over again without asking? What's, what, what would you say to, you know, not me, but somebody, somebody right. else, somebody you else. know, that, that just got their, you didn't step on my, my toe. I think you might have broken my leg. So what, what do you do next? Well, you know, I think you just said it in the word mentoring. I think that you can't really share something with somebody if they're not in that position of being able to receive it. If they're right. um, and and I've had some some people that I've tried to say, hey, ho- hold on a second here. You know, do you realize you keep running into the same problem because you keep going back to the same natural thing? If they're not willing to receive it, it's not going to go anywhere. But that's why I'm a big proponent of you know uh john i like how, how you do the 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 kind of huddles the the small groups of of people yeah. people that yeah. will open themselves up that way to be able to say I, okay i'm willing to let you guys look at my life as an outsider and i'm willing to receive what you have to say to me and that's where i think it has to start um and and if if uh, I, there's the two verses that I like to use um, to, as kind of a, a balancing act or attention is, you know, Paul says to Timothy, aspiring to leadership is a good thing. You got to mm-hmm. use your strengths for that. But then Jeremiah says to his uh, servant Baruch, he said, should you seek these things for yourself? No, don't do it. And I think that that's the balance is to say mm-hmm. there is a confidence that I should aspire to greater things, but I have to have somebody checking me. To say, are you wanting those things so that you look good, so that your name is up there in, in lights, or are you doing this yeah. so that God's kingdom is expanded? Right. Back to that metric of success, not being numbers and dollars and accolades, but obedience and fidelity and and faith, right? That, that you know, well yes. done, good and faithful servant Absolutely. is probably a different measurement than the average. No one ever said, they say, how many are you running? They don't say, so how faithful have you been? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how, no. how, what qualities have you brought to it? You know? No. Uh, you know, I love your book and hate your book, Craig. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, Craig, um, you know, we've had this conversation with a lot of our clients who are struggling with this, this very issue of um, of leaning or, or on their strength more than they do on, on the Lord. How does, and, and here's the struggle for them. They say, I don't know when I'm doing that. Right. Now, you mentioned mentoring, right, as a, as a, a help. And obviously, we're 100% on board with that. Yeah. How, does the Holy Spirit help in this? And if he does, how does he help us? You know, how does he help us determine or, or understand or discover maybe when we've crossed that that line, mm-hmm. I, I love um, Psalm one thirty nine is David's intimate prayer about how well God knows him, and I love the opening verse. He says, "Lord, you have searched me and you know me," and then he kind of goes through and lists all the way that God knows him, and then yet the last two verses of that psalm is a prayer. Once again, he says, "Search me, O God, test my heart, see if there's any." offensive way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. And so I think that that kind of, it's, it's an ongoing cycle and that's part of the, the maturing process is to say, okay, God knows me. That means he knows the strengths and weaknesses I have. And, but I need to, to seek him continually to say, 
Am I using those strengths in the right way? Are they still under your direction or have I taken it out of your hand and tried to run with it myself? And so that's where I think the Holy Spirit will speak to us through the circumstances. Um, I literally, there there have been times when I've had um, a, a problem with a team member that I've gone into the bathroom at my house, closed the door, and I will just get face nose to nose with myself in the mirror and say, Holy Spirit, is is there is there a plank in my eye? Is there something mm-hmm. here that I'm missing? Why, why am I having this conflict again with the same person? Is it something that I'm doing that's triggering them to, to lash back uh, at me? And and I think that that's where the Holy Spirit can once again, if we're open, he's he's not going to do flashing red lights and you know knock us down. But we have to be open to say, I, I will receive what you have to say to me. Can I can I ask one too? Because I, I it seems like what you're what you're talking about, like you're saying, you are you are self aware of the fact that at any moment you may not be self aware. Hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. So there's a certain emotional intelligence to recognizing that nobody is fully emotionally intelligent, right? Sooner right. or later, we're going to hurt somebody and, and call it their fault. Sooner or later, yeah. we're going to say something silly that we've always said, but now it, it's costing us. So what what role does being just fully self-aware, is that, you know, we talked about the Holy Spirit, we've talked about natural giftings, but there, maybe there's this balance between the two where we're always testing ourselves to see if, you know, search sure. my heart and know me and keep doing it and don't quit. What, what role have you found like self-awareness? Like, can you teach somebody to be self-aware, Craig? <laughs> I I don't think that, I mean, I don't know. I haven't figured that fully out for myself. Am I, am I fully self-aware? Because, you know, maybe the part that I'm aware of is not, there's still a, you know, blind spot over here that I haven't seen. Yeah. I, I think for me that the big thing has just been the repeated messages. You know, when the Holy Spirit brings that same it might be a, a different person, but it's almost the, like the same person again, the yeah. same issue. Okay, why is this coming back again? This must be an area. And I remember one time when I was in the business world, you know, I had to make some tough decisions on some things. And twice I had somebody that I was working with that called me an arrogant blankety blank. Something. And, and I'm like, <laughs> why, why would they why would they use this two people now that have used that same you know, nasty word. And that was one where I had to say, you know what? I, I think they're right. I think that I have allowed mm-hmm. my my pride, my hard charging on this business deal to to take over here. And um, you know, I had to repent of that and 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 ask the the help for that. So that's how it's worked for me, is that I have to recognize hey, this same situation keeps coming back. The same type of personality keeps coming back. So God must be trying to get my attention on this. And so, you know, it might take a half a dozen times before I finally realize, oh, yeah, got to do something here. Craig, Craig, what do you think? Iron, right? Yeah. And Craig, what do you think about uh, assessment, self-assessment, personality uh, assessments, things like that? Is, are those helpful, do you think, in self-awareness? I, I love them. Um, I use them often for myself when I find good ones and I'll share them with my team. Um, but the big thing for me is to make sure that once you uh, take those assessments, that you don't start putting labels on people, but you yes. just use those as windows of insight. And yes. I even want to turn it around and use it as a window of insight for myself first. I want to say, okay, mm-hmm. so apparently, according to this assessment, this is how I see the world and how I process the world, which means that's going to be how I communicate to other people. 
And so now that I know that about myself, then I have to say there's other ways to communicate this to connect with other people. So I, I love the assessments, but just making sure that they're insight, not labels as a result. Yeah. And I would say, I would also say that they're not excuses. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm a nine on the Enneagram. Sorry. Right. Um, yeah, it's right. just the way right. I am. Um, right. No. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm no, a D. I just bulldoze people on the right. disc assessment, right? I just, yeah. I just bulldoze people. Like yep. now that you should be more self-aware than that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jim, I think we're up against the clock. Would you kind of yeah. uh, wrap us up here? Yeah. And, can, and, can and by the way, Craig, would you, Craig, would you join us again? Uh, yeah. not, unless Jim, you were going to ask yeah. him that. Well, yeah, I was going to say one more, but, but also a lightning round question for both of you. You've been okay. in the business world. You've been in the ministry world. Which one's harder? Mm. Craig, I'll let you go first. Ministry, for sure. Head and shoulders, ministry. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that's a good way to close our time together is because, you know, we, we have leadership books that teach us how to 10X and teach us how to go after and teach us how to, but that's not what this is. This is, mm -hmm. this is family. This is more what a family farm probably, right? In a, in a small community than a you know, Apple, uh, stockbroker, you know, I mean, it, we can get this wrong. We can get this really wrong and we can, we can, and I'm putting up quotation marks. Those are just listening succeed as we do things really wrong. And yes. so I, I love, I love your book. I love the thought. I love to be challenged. And, and in closing your Craig, where can, what's the name of your book and where can we find it? Well, it's shepherd leadership. And then the real easy place to find it is shepherdleadershipbook.com. <laughs> There you go. Shepherdleadershipbook.com. And from there, they can contact you as well, right? If they'd yes, like to absolutely. talk more about this video. Right on. Yep. Okay. Well, um, as always, uh, Converge is looking for ways to help, ways to challenge, ways to expose the places that, that are going to hurt you in the long run. So we would encourage everybody to, to, to ask the questions that have been asked by this book, spend some time, and really consider... Um, whether or not you're a healthy leader, you, you, you can teach what you know, but you will reproduce what you are. Mm -hmm. And so if you're an angry father, you will produce angry children. If you're an overambitious, uh, arrogant, uh, blankety blank, I think is the phrase that was used, you know, <laughs> then, then you will produce that. You'll, you'll attract that. You'll produce that. So the, the leader's health is incredibly important. And that's what it converges here to help you with today and every day. So if you would like to have a conversation with John or one of the staff, go to convergecoach.com. Click the link that says, I want to hang out for half an hour, no obligation, no cost. And uh, we will do everything we can to help you take a good look at you, a good look at your organization, a good look at your marriage, good look at anything. And if we can't help you and there is a problem, then we can point you in the right direction. So. God bless you, our dear listener and watcher. We are praying for you, cheering for you. It's Tuesday and you haven't quit the ministry. You're still a leader. So congratulations on that milestone. Another week in the books for the Lord. So God bless you as you continue to lead from alignment.